Okay, it's that time for another episode from Raise the Curve. I stumbled upon a very interesting article a couple of days ago, and I've been thinking a lot about it. And I thought, man, this would be a great topic to discuss in an episode. It was an article posted in or on the website chronicle.com, Chronicles of Higher Ed. And the title of it, in case you want to peruse it later, is are you assigning too much reading or just too much boring reading? And it's by Teresa McPhail. Anyways, it was so intriguing because I have often thought about not necessarily am I assigning too much reading, which is what really got me thinking after reading this particular article, but is the reading that I'm assigning intentional, which you know, it's focused. It's not just, hey, read this whole chapter. It's more focused reading. And that's, I've made a couple of changes with that over the last year or two, where I'm specifying particular learning objectives within a chapter um, that allow the student to know, hey, okay, I know that these are going to be covered on the exam, or I know these are going to be covered in some way on an essay or in an assignment. But what I found so fascinating was, and granted, it's it's one article, and it's it's the it's she did a little bit of a case study within her own classes, but it was still really fascinating, and she talks about some different things, um, in connection with, you know, really recognizing our our audience. You know, from from a presentation standpoint, I used to teach public speaking. It was all about doing an audience analysis. Okay, if this is going to be your audience, and in this case it would be students, what do they know? What are they coming in? What's their frame of reference? What do they like? What do they dislike? Okay. And the same concept is prevalent as a teacher in the sense that I know there's a lot of discussion about there out there about millennials and then I don't know what the new term is uh, for for folks that students that are coming in who are now freshmen and sophomores or recent graduates in high school within this last five to ten years you know lots of distraction easily distracted um, instant gratification less attention you know there's lots of topics on that I'm not saying any of those terms I'm just saying lots of topics in the education world talking about that lots of studies that have been done about that so we do know a little bit <laughs> just from the studies that yes they uh, folks, and even us now, I mean, I am fall prey to some of these things too, thinking that I can multitask, so I get easily distracted, that type of thing. Um, am I focused on instant gratification? Yes, in certain things I am. <laughs> but we have to think about students, not just as learners, but as people as a whole. Their human thought and human behavior. If we're looking at educational psychology, we're looking at the thoughts and behaviors that learners bring to the table um, in connection with the whole point of them needing to acquire this information or this particular task and then being able to retrieve that, recall that, or perform that at a later date. Um, so one of the things, you know, they're juggling a lot. We, you know, students juggle a lot, period. People juggle a lot of things, period, uh, which which is relatable, no matter whether you're the teacher, the prep, prep, the student, the, or the uh, parent. Um, one of the topic, one of the points that she's made, the reasons is they don't have the luxury of time and are easily distracted. I think that, yes, 
we can be easily distracted. And I think that ties in with something else that she talks about, which is we don't get distracted as easily if what we find that we're focusing on or needing to focus on either is interesting, we have an intrinsic or extrinsic motivator, or there is some type of recognition of, okay, I, I know that this is an intentional thing. Like I know I only have to focus on this for so long. Um, so some of the things she talks about there is really interesting. And yes, they get distracted by social media and things like that. Um, and they learn, <laughs> students learn, and this has been going on for decades, that skimming still results in some outcomes that reinforce the behavior of skimming because they'll skim, they'll do decent maybe, um, and then associate that the skimming was okay to do when really it probably had nothing to do with the skimming that created that particular outcome that they're okay with. It was probably some other things in there, uh, whether it was that they were lecturing, whether they watched a video, whether they did assignment and connection, that are all of those things. But that doesn't matter. What matters is the association that they made. Hey, I did really well, or I passed, or I had the outcome that I wanted. I skimmed, so that must mean that that's okay to do. So that's one of the things. And then it talks about nothing bores students more than long, dry academic texts. Now here's the thing that's interesting. I know that a lot of publishers and a lot of books and a lot of authors are really trying to craft academic textbooks that are more favorable uh, to, to students, to the learner. They're e more easily consumable in the sense that they're relating different things. But as a reviewer of several textbooks over the last you know, 15 to 20 years myself, one of the things that I, th I find really interesting is that although the pictures or the content or the examples they're trying to make more relevant and relatable, which is good, there is still a massive amount of content. Part of that is because what's required learning objective-wise, state objective-wise, school objective-wise, whatever it is, uh, core standards, whatever you're talking about, it covers a lot of material. You know, a lot is going on within those larger, small learning objectives, which is difficult. I think the key is maybe that it's the dry piece, if they don't personally find it interesting. And I've had students just the other day, I was like, hey, you know, I was talking to a student. They said, you know, I'll get like a couple paragraphs in and then I'm like practically falling asleep. And I'm thinking, wow, you know, this stuff is fascinating to me, but then I like it. But if the person who's trying to comprehend that content isn't really digging it or doesn't find that there's a personal or intrinsic or extrinsic motivator, that's driving that particular behavior to stay focused or to find something that is is a reason for them to do it, well, then they're not going to do it. So that's really interesting. Then it goes into some other details about, hey, how can we create interest, which then is a precursor for them wanting to read a little bit more, kind of like um, some people call this a curiosity post, like in social media. You know, you create a curiosity post, people are curious, they're like, oh, da, da, da. same kind of thing, not necessarily curiosity, but you could do that. Like, hey, you could pose a question that's a little bit more pertinent or relevant to what's going on with them or in, in, in the news, whatever it could be, okay? And then kind of like a carrot that's being dangled, move into how that question, curiosity, interest, carrot that you dangled, how that connects 
with what they're what they're reading and learning. So that was really interesting. I thought that was pretty cool. And I thought about different ways in which I can do that. Whether it just be creating a question before you move into your discussion. The thing is, is that as we know from a learning strategies perspective, the reading is imperative to do in advance of the lecture. And it talks a little bit about that, maybe inserting some quizzes in there, reading quizzes might help, pop quizzes, randomly calling on students to see where they're, where they're at. I mean, I do that all the time and I find that <laughs> a lot of students, they just can't recall a lot. Yeah, I have reading questions that are due the day that we start a new chapter, but that is more my strategic way of at least trying to get them exposed to some of the content, knowing full well that they're probably not going to read that in-depthly. I have a scaffolding approach, and that's one of several tools that are part of the scaffolding process that goes on all the way up until the exam. Uh, but anyways, you know, so those are some different things. So check that article out and, and think about some different things in relation to if there were a way to either refine or skinny the reading, would that be appropriate? Would it be okay to do? Is that something that you know, maybe get your students involved in it. You know, what what stuff would you think is, is important to read? <laughs> How is this relatable to you? And of course, you always gotta make sure that those are gonna tie into the learning objectives. As educators, we can't just pick and choose whatever learning objectives we wanna do. I mean, the smaller, more chapter-specific ones, maybe we can. Uh, but of course, the large, they have to all connect to the larger ones, and that's, you know, that's, that's the big deal right there. So make sure that that's happening. Um, but maybe find different ways that could wet the palate uh, before they move into reading uh, the particular questions. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm just perplexed by this, but I'm intrigued at the same time. It's an interesting taste in my, in my cognitive mouth right now, using a weird analogy. Anyways, for now, I'll leave you with this particular topic to, to kind of chew on a little bit. I don't know. Interesting. All righty. Have a good one.